You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 76, The Paradox. Welcome to The Paradox with your attending, Dr. Eric Larson. He is a practicing anesthesiologist and clinical assistant professor at Michigan State University College of Human Medicine. Listen in as he takes you behind the scenes of what practicing medicine in today's ever-changing world is like with another doctor. The Paradox is a fun and accidentally informative show for physicians, patients, or anyone who has ever found themselves in a waiting room. Welcome to The Paradox. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Larson. Thank you for joining me as we explore the U.S. medical system in a fun, informative format through expert analysis. Today's expert is Vinay Patel. He's a pharmacist and the founder of MakoRx, which is a pharmacy benefit manager, or PBM, for long-time listeners, there are a number of episodes we've done on PBMs, and the pharmacy benefit managers are generally the villains. And so today I wanted to reach out to someone who is doing something a little different. As you may recall, pharmacy benefit managers have ways of making money that is less than honorable, I guess you would say, where they receive kickbacks and rebates that are not designed to lower the cost for the employers or those who are their clients, essentially. And instead, they line their pockets with these funds and they have a tremendous lobbying arm, both at the federal and state levels, as they're some of the largest healthcare lobbyists in, in the country, and can set regulations and legislation that is favorable to them. And as I think you'll find, Mr. Patel has a really interesting story where he has sort of turned the PBM model on its head, where instead of having obscured charges and fees, he's actually making everything transparent, and that's his goal. Instead of also using the large big box pharmacies, He's trying to leverage all the independent pharmacies, of which there are quite a few. I think somewhere around a third of the pharmacies in the country are independent. Uh, and then he's trying to leverage them as a way of sort of banding together, certainly using independent physicians and other uh, healthcare providers as a way to sort of pr- protect the local flavor of healthcare. And if there's one general principle we hold fairly dear at the paradox, it is to encourage choice, high quality, and low cost care. And so that's what he's aiming to do and providing the service. And so I think it's a very interesting story. And I think if you're a physician, I think there's lots of really interesting things you learn and maybe even look at, look into. And certainly as if you're a pharmacist in a, and you're not part of his network, although most of them are, I think he says about three quarters of the pharmacies in the country are part of his network. It's probably something you want to consider and, uh, or at least look into because I think it's a, an opportunity for a way of competing against the, the larger box stores that can can sort of beat you on some aspects on convenience. For instance, getting a prescription at Walgreens, you can go to any Walgreens in the country. That's something that's very tough to compete against if you're a pharmacist, if you have patients who are, you know, on vacation. Uh, but anyway, so I think this is actually a really interesting concept, and it's one that I think has the potential to take off, and as does Vinay Patel as well. 
I'd encourage you to visit the website at theparadox.com slash 076. There you can find the show notes for the show with ways of contacting Mr. Patel uh, and also past episodes that relate to pharmacy benefit managers if you have your appetite whetted and you want to delve into more of the insidious things that the PBMs are doing. Uh, those are found at the show notes page. I'd also encourage you, if you're a Patreon, uh, I do put out extra content from time to time. It tends not to be medical, so uh, it is more political, in fact, entirely political. And also, one of my other appearances on other podcasts, I place there at Patreon. And so, if, for as low as $2 a month, you can have access to that content. Uh, I've done a number of updates on my good friend Justin Amash, who's a congressman from Michigan. You might be familiar with him. Uh, he certainly was in the news starting this last summer basically throughout. And uh, he was also an interview in episode three of the show when I first launched. We talked about healthcare in Congress and sort of what things are going on in Congress, which I think we found out is pretty much nothing. <laughs> and that was sort of the conclusion from our episode. But certainly his thoughts on what would be the best way to attack those problems with the healthcare industry that we see today. We delved into Star Trek and Star Wars, and which one he preferred, which I think is a little bit interesting conversation. But this last week, I spoke to Nathan Lemer, who is a former policy advisor to Ajit Pai, who was the FC, who is the FCC chairman, currently who is dealing with a lot of issues, especially most prominently net neutrality, and he was the one who helped develop the the public policy and the, certainly the um, the advocacy for the positions that Chairman Pai advocated. And uh, we had a good discussion because Nathan also, in his previous life before that, was a legislative aide at the State House and then also in D.C. for Representative Ramaj. And so he knows him personally and professionally. And so we had a long discussion about if Ramaj decided to run for president or if he decides to run for Congress as an independent, what does that mean? Uh, what are his odds of winning? What sort of impact would he have in the race? What kind of person is he? And so all those things can be found at that episode. It's entirely possible that I will release this as a regular episode just for fun for the regular so you have a little idea of what we're talking about. Uh, if things get more interesting in this race, I will plan on doing these updates weekly and you get some insight from people who know Justin and have an ability to talk about him in a different light than you get in most places in the media. So anyway, that's a little bit of thing. If you want to check that out at patreon.com slash the paradox and that'll get it spelled T-H-E-P-R-A-D-O-C-S just like the website, which is theparadox.com. But without further ado, Vinay Patel on a PBM not looking to rip you off. Enjoy. Welcome. I'm here with my new friend, Vinay Patel, who's the founder and CEO of the Self-Insured Pharmacy Network, which is a pharmacy benefit manager organization. So, uh, Vinay, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you so much, Dr. Larson. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, I'm really thrilled. So, um, and I'll sort of mention this before, but... It, You've actually, you, you as, as a pharmacy benefit managers have been the focus of a number of episodes on my show, The Paradox, uh, where oftentimes have been the villains, but, <laughs> but I, I appreciate you coming on. And I, and, um, I want you to just describe briefly what your background is and how you, I saw your pharmacist, but how did you end up sort of where you are right now? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, working as uh, an independent pharmacist, uh, owning, managing, pharmacies throughout my career, it's been clear then in, in various different roles as, uh, as a pharmacist, it's been clear that uh, the pharmacy benefit managers as an industry have almost complete control over uh, how pharmacists practice, how much money they make, 
uh, and uh, you know everything from what they're told to tell patients and what they can't tell patients and uh, so on and so forth. And so uh, it became abundantly clear when uh, we operated pharmacies how much patients uh, and employers were getting overcharged for medications and how little uh, pharmacies were getting reimbursed for these medications. And so we really sought out to form self-insured pharmacy networks and uh, our, our newly formed company, MakeRx, to solve the problem of uh, to solve the problem of of you know what the industry has created. Right, and uh, that's why I wanted to have you on the show because I think it's really interesting. I like as I said, the PBMs, group purchasing organizations, as well the GPOs have sort of been the villains in a number of my episodes as far as the uh, problems with healthcare pricing and. Um, the explosion of price. Can you explain the purpose of a PBN? Um, you know, I assume it, everyone always has a, a derogatory sort of uh, feel of what a middleman is. You know, that's always it's like it's like being a used car salesman, right? When people say, "Oh, you're just the middleman," <laughs> uh, because there's this perception that there's someone who is totally superfluous. You know, you don't need them. They're just kind of in the way. They're just getting their cut, and it'd be easier just to sort of the interaction between the other two parties without this person in the middle, right? Um, yeah. So. Explain the, I guess if you could, why PMs exist and sort of what function they'd have in a well, uh, well-run well healthcare system, uh, you know, what role they play with pharmacies and pharmaceuticals and patients. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, there is a, a uh, critical role that pharmacy benefit managers play, uh, and at, at its core, the value of a PBM um, uh, is to process claims, uh, and, and essentially in, in real time. When you go to the pharmacy and you give the pharmacy your prescription uh, as a patient, they will actually take that prescription, enter it into their system, and then in real time adjudicate or run that prescription claim through the pharmacy benefit manager. Uh, they're affiliated with insurance companies or employers or you know various different entities, but that pharmacy benefit manager essentially uh, has outlined what the pharmacy is going to get paid for that medication, what the patient portion of that uh, cost of the medication is, how much uh, they will charge for the medication, uh, and then what the other portion, you know, whether it's an insured company or uh, you know an employer group that's paying the other portion of it. So they outline these uh, parameters uh, where you know what coverage tier is the medication on, deter- determining cost and uh, if the medication's covered or not. And so all these rules are applied in a, in a system that gets automatically or electronically run in real time when you go to the pharmacy. And that's really at its core what the value of a pharmacy benefit manager is to, to sort of uh, adjudicate and manage claims uh, so that they're all uh, you know, uh, uh, collected correctly and then uh, be, being able to be distributed to whoever the entities are for payment and invoicing and all that. In summary, would it be fair to say that, um, I guess, the way, because there's so many different healthcare plans, so many different options for people getting their medications, um, mm-hmm. uh, whether they're self-insured or whether they're you know, through their employer, and that the tier-based family, you know, you have to use this medication first before that you try this one. These All these rules set up by insurance companies are sort of held in the, by these pharmacy benefit managers, and they figure all the stuff up real quickly so the pharmacist doesn't have to, to try and determine all this stuff and that makes sure that payment is very quick. Is that, I mean, is that pretty much what the PBMs do? Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Because okay. of the complexity and the 
uh, almost infinite variations in health plans and, and pharmacy options, uh, the system in, it, in, in itself runs, you know, has, has all these algorithms bit in, built in to determine price and coverage and all that. That's right. That's right. Uh, and so, and really, so then pharmacies are essentially just using these PBMs in, in order, it's instead of them having to have someone in their back office figure all this stuff out, and you just have someone who is an expert in just this figuring out the payment methods, I guess you'd say, or the, the like you said, adjudication of all these things, just to make it smooth when you go to the pharmacy, you know exactly how much it costs you based on your deductibles and based on all the things with your insurance. Uh, that's that's absolutely right from the perspe- from sort of the original intent and purpose of pharmacy right. benefit managers. Uh, I think the broader message here is that they've gone, they've extended far beyond that central core value now and actually influence uh, whether pharmacies are participating in particular networks uh, of stores and driving traffic to particular pharmacies because of who's in and out of network. They're also determining how much money is, uh, how, how costly a medication is, depending on what tier and coverage they put in, which, and actually which medications they put in. So, so you know, we've, we've uh, uh, slowly, the industry's grown to cover so many different areas now, and that's where we are today. And that's the issue. Right. And so that's kind of, that's your, I don't say philosophical, but that's, that's your angle, I guess, to get to find a, a niche in the, in the market. Um, and, and I've talked in the past about PBMs and didn't really go into specific exactly how they work. But uh, so that's actually a really good synopsis. And that leads us to, I guess, the problem right now with most PBMs. I mean, they're some of the largest healthcare co- corporations in the country are pharmacy benefit managers, group purchasing organizations. They're not what most people think of when they think of healthcare. They're always thinking of insurance companies. They're thinking of pharmaceutical companies. Right. But when looking at lobbying, I mean, these are the biggest lobbyers in D.C., right? I mean, these are the Express scripts and right. I mean, these are the these are the big heavy hitters, and they make their money. It seems oftentimes through uh, obfuscation. <laughs> I mean, uh, right. uh, getting rebates and and not actually having the rebates go back to the patients, but at times they'll sort of encourage health plans, I suppose, to use a different tiered ways of medications because they get these kickbacks or rebates from the, the pharmaceutical companies, correct? And then uh, they'll then uh-huh. pocket those. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, uh, you hit you hit on uh, a couple of uh, great points there, Dr. Larson. Obfuscation is the key word. The complexity and obfuscation of prices for these drugs is is sort of their their central value proposition in in revenue and re- you know sort of revenue streams that, gen- that they generate for themselves and lobbying power uh, they have tremendous lobbying power uh, a, a good headline comes to mind just this past week half of all the profits united healthcare made this past year in 2019 came from its pharmacy division optumrx and they made wow. over 14 billion dollars in 2019 that's a that's a tremendously huge company <laughs> Yeah, and that's uh, well, and that's the that's one of the the rubs with insurance companies. So insurance companies, if you're not really big, you're not going to be able to acquire or merge with a pharmacy benefit manager. So you have to rely on these groups to basically adjudicate all your claims, and then they, in many ways, I guess, sort of they structure your tiers, like right, like the the um, the order in which you you start a, oh, yeah. a medications for a certain condition, right, like you. That's Start right. with drug X, then drug Y, then drug Z, 
and they will change these tiers or change the medications those based on the the benefits they get from the pharmaceutical companies themselves, which doesn't help the insurance company. Doesn't certainly doesn't help the patient if it's you know changing things, but helps them because they may have a better rebate and also may encourage them to recommend more expensive drugs because the percentage savings is <laughs> it, or the percentage savings that they get back is higher, right? That's right. That's right. A, a really good classic example of what you're talking about, where medications fall under certain coverages, is uh, for insulin. And, and for example, there is a generic insulin out there in the market uh, called Lispro. Uh, that's the generic for Humalog. Uh, and they came, the, the manufacturer of Humalog came out with this generic uh, to help lower prices for diabetics. Uh, that we you know we see stories every day of how diabetics are uh, foregoing or extending their insulin uh, and dying because of many diabetics dying because they can't afford their insulin or they're having to ration it. Uh, and so they, the manufacturer of, of Humalog came out with a generic Lispro and the, the next issue, and there was, a, there was a great article written about this, is who, which insurance company is covering the generic? Okay, we have a generic now and we know that it's, it's less expensive, about half the price of the branded insulin product Humalog um, but there aren't any insurance companies, or, or sorry, there aren't many insurance companies or many PBMs offering the generic on their formulary. Uh, and, you know, the reasoning uh, for the PBMs not putting this on their formulary is it's, it's cheaper for the plan sponsor to have the brand and get the rebate. Uh, and I have two follow-up questions to that. One, it's not cheaper to the members, which at the end of the day, we're here to serve the patients that need these medications. This isn't uh, some sort of uh, commodity or uh, luxury that people are buying. This is healthcare. And two, uh, because they have to buy the branded product. And two, how much of that rebate is getting passed on to the plan sponsor, and how much uh, how much money is made by the PBM for keeping the branded product on their formulary, which we don't know, right? These are all these is part of the obfuscation. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's part of the business model, right? That right. you have. Uh, it's very interesting because you know you you hear about these problems and it's. The people who are always blamed are the pharmaceutical companies, and I'm not going to say it's not them, it's not the insurance companies, but they're they're oftentimes these players that you, the PBMs that you don't really hear about, and they sort of get off mm -hmm. scot free, at least at least as part of the discussion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, right. you know, I that's oh, right. go ahead. No, you're absolutely right. I think that there are so many entities uh, in the healthcare supply chain that just keep pointing fingers at each other uh, right. that. We forget, and we you know we we can't we can't just isolate one enemy here. It's everyone is everyone has to come forward and say I have contributed to this problem, and, and here's what we need to do about it. Right. Insurance companies, uh, pharmaceutical manufacturers, pharmacy benefit manager. It's not simple or easy to say it's just one person's fault. It's it's it, there is a, a a level of complexity here where there's everyone's playing a role. Well, it is very much like a Rube Goldberg device, right? And that you have yeah. all these sort of parts in place and, uh, and and everyone looks at it and say, well, I can't remove that part because the whole thing sort of falls apart. And so I can't, you know, everybody's important because you can't envision another way of doing things. I, I look at, and you know, you look at that situation and you say, okay, you've got insurance companies who usually have to contract the par pharmacy benefit manager. You would, mm -hmm. you would expect that, mm -hmm. for, that insurance companies want to keep costs low so they can provide better premiums for, their, uh, for the, you know, the employers who are hiring them to provide insurance for their employees, uh, yeah. and that that will make them more competitive in the market and get a larger market share. And so that 
that they would want lower prices. So you would think that there would be a pharmacy benefit manager that would say, hey, we're all selling the same kind of stuff, right? I mean, it's the same medications that everyone's moving around. We're All we're doing is just trying efficient ways of adjudicating these claims mm-hmm. and for these insurance companies. And so it would be it would behoove us uh, to, if we provide it for a lower cost, that's really, as long as you can do the job as far as going through the claims right. and you can do all the paperwork, which is really what people are hiring you for, mm-hmm. that if you can provide that same service at a lower price, that price point be a much bigger i would guess be a much bigger uh, draw than than you know not have i mean if you're cheaper you're going to get a lot more business so so i'm always surprised that the that that there's not someone who could just bust into this market easily <laughs> so yeah so there, there's two points there uh, that that you hit on dr larson one is if uh in the the value proposition for for a pharmacy benefit manager the, so so we have to look at who the customer is, and and I, you know, this is just my personal opinion. I don't think that uh, the the big PBMs out there view their customer as the employer. I be, I truly believe that their customer is the pharmaceutical manufacturers that are really providing them the lion's share of revenue for their company, and so they they're so th- this goes back to the entire misaligned incentives in the healthcare industry itself, in the broader healthcare industry, but applied to pharmacy, they're, they're here to serve the needs of, of pharma, of the pharmaceutical manufacturers that they're uh, collaborating with to get uh, large revenue streams from branded products and the rebates that they get from those branded products and, and all the other ancillary service management fees that they get to help uh, uh, encourage and promote pharma- branded pharmaceutical products as really who they're serving and sort of that they've, they've recreated their value proposition to that industry. And so, you know, they said, look, if I, if I can, if I can save this employer 10 or 15% on their pharmacy, which used to be, it's not today, but used to be maybe 15%, 20%, no one was paying attention to it. It was ignored. It was just uh, another line item. The big cost was still healthcare and still is today, but pharmacy is growing now over 30% and everyone's paying attention to it. Uh, where they're saying even if I if I can save the employer five or ten percent, they're you know they're they're really not uh, paying attention or care. So why don't I just focus my attention here and, and really maximize the revenue opportunity from our other partners? And and so they've really realigned who their customer is. Uh, and now that there's a lot of attention and heat on this, um, they may be uh, trying to reorganize that that business model internally. But it's like t- turning the Titanic. Uh, yeah. and, and, and also the savings, right? I, they, uh, I think that there is a much, much smaller opportunity to try to attract more and bigger, uh, clients and employers from the, from, you know, the big three, which control 80% of the market as it is today. As uh, so there's, you know, they're just stealing from each other now, if they were to, to try to go at the cost savings angle, but, um, th- that bucket of money is so little that they don't put in much energy or effort into that. Yeah, it seems like again, it just it seems like there's there's a lot of opportunity there for for people to get into the to the market. Uh, is it because I feel like it there be, you could argue well maybe the reason they they have this advantage is because since they're so big that they can uh-huh. acquire medications or they can get better contracts uh, uh-huh. than other PBMs. But it sounds like that's really not the case. Like I mean, they're their cost per unit for insulin or whatever is the same as anybody else. I mean, they're obviously not purchasing the things, but 
<laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, so you know the so the you you hit you hit the point on the head there with the cost of the medications itself. They, they the 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 uh, drug manufacturers and PBMs are, are essentially setting the prices for these medications, and there's not much variance. A, a, a strictly from a PBM perspective, they don't own drugs. They don't um, distribute drugs. They're processing claims. And so they're just setting contracted rates for how much this medication is uh, just based on an arbitrary list price number. Everyone's uh, buying it for essentially the same price when it comes to a branded product. There's a lot more variation in, in the generics market, um, but they're essentially just setting the price and, and where you go, just like in healthcare, determines how much you pay. Uh, a, a very a very good simple example for for your listeners is taking for example a can of Coke. You know that a can of Coke uh, probably costs around fifty cents at Sam's Club or Walmart, uh, and it costs maybe a dollar thirty-five or a dollar fifty-five at the convenience store or gas station. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, I'll add, I'll sort of throw this out there: How much do you think a, a can of Coke costs at Disneyland, Dr. Larson? Yeah, I think it's probably like four bucks. <laughs> Four bucks, right? Five bucks, 10 bucks, yeah. right? So, right. and that's the point here. It's the same exact product. It's the same exact service, whether it's healthcare or I mean, whether it's medical care or whether it's prescription medications. It's the same drug. Everyone's buying it from the same place. Because you walk into an emergency room or hospital, you're paying 10 times as much for that same medication you could get at an independent pharmacy for pennies. Uh, right. And everyone, everyone's essentially buying it for the same price. There, there's a little bit of variation. There's, you know, CVS and Walgreens may be able to buy it for a couple cents cheaper because of their uh, uh, share of the market and volume that they drive. But, you know, that's that's the whole point in healthcare. Is it's the site of service that's determining price. Just because you go to a certain place, you're paying a certain price. And that's essentially what the PBMs are doing is driving traffic to certain sites of service uh, and setting the prices. Uh, and, and the real big game is in the rebate dollars. And that's really how they're hooking a lot of these employers to, to throw a tremendous amount of rebate dollars that they're getting from pharmaceutical manufacturers because they control millions of lives. And these small guys trying to break into the market don't have access to um, that kind of uh, purse power that, they're, so that you know, these companies are using to leverage clients. It, so it's fair to say that a small P, PBM does not have the ability to get the rebates that the larger ones do. Is that sort of one of their exactly? Oh, okay. Exactly. So right. Well, right. that makes the, sense the, then. The number they... of lives that you manage determine how much attention you have for, from pharma and uh, how much money you're going to get from them. And that makes a lot more sense why it's hard to, to get in as a small player because you may be able to do all the other things for less and have lower list prices, but you're not going to give that bonus or whatever at the end, which turns out is only 5% of the bonus that maybe the, maybe the other players did, the other, the other uh, large PBMs got. You don't know, mm -hmm. what, yeah, because you don't know what kickback or rebate they're getting. You just, mm -hmm. you're getting something. You're like, oh, well, that's better than nothing. And I suppose it's probably busy in lots of companies. It's hard to, you know, you're maybe fighting over a thousand or two thousand dollars and you're sort of like, well, it's not that big a deal. It's mm -hmm. not worth the effort, right? Mm -hmm. I always feel like it's a lot like when you go and buy a car, use a car lot and you get down to the last couple hundred dollars and you're just like, I just don't want to sit here for another yeah. you know, four hours yeah. haggling over four, a couple hundred dollars. The problem is, of course, for them, that couple hundred dollars, that's like all profit. And so they have every incentive to sit there all day <laughs> and right. and for that guy to get his commission because it, yeah. for him, that's an extra $300 he's going to walk in his, you know, 
walk out the door with at the end of the day. Uh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, it's, what? it's, um, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so, okay. So you're not a big pharmacy benefit manager, the self-insured pharmacy network. And now it's part of, I'm sorry, you said Mako. Uh, why did you describe Mako RX? So why did you describe how you guys are different and what, what market you're going after and how you hope to be successful? Absolutely. So we are a, a you know, in, in it's, uh, we don't like to use the word PBM. We, we'd like to uh, refer to ourselves more as a pharmacy benefits administrator. But we went out to the market and we, we looked at uh, all these prices. We researched and uh, investigated drug prices across the industry. And in its, uh, you know, in its simplest form, we actually went uh, and found the cost for the, the true cost for these drugs that pharmacies are paying for, for medications. And we said, okay, well, instead of doing a list price discount, which is what everyone else is offering, we're going to offer a cost plus model. So we're going to take what the pharmacies are buying the drugs for and add a fixed margin and essentially go out there and tell employers today that there's two big misconceptions uh, that, that we hear all the time. One is what I pay my pharmacy benefit manager is what the pharmacy is getting paid. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. We have uh, hundreds of claims where we've analyzed uh, how much employers pay and how much pharmacies are getting reimbursed. Uh, and that's what's called spread pricing. Employers getting overcharged and pharmacies underpaying and the PBM keeping that difference uh, without uh, you know, the two knowing uh, that this is going on. And so we eliminate the spread by going to this cost plus model. Uh, and, the, and the second piece really that differentiates us is we are, uh, uh, the, the broker consultant will come into an employer and say, if you don't have CVS and Walgreens in your network, then you, you don't have pharmacy, right? Uh, and mm -hmm. so the, the real message here is that, and, and I'll ask you a, a quick question. If, if you were to guess at the, the percent of pharmacy locations across the country, of all the pharmacy stores, how many of those are independent? What would you, what would you guess? So I think I would always say not many. Not so, many. But but there are actually a lot more. And just when I think about town, there are actually quite a few independent pharmacies in town. Like, I'm I'm sure there are thousands that actually exist. Yeah, yeah. The the most common answer we hear is ten percent. Independent pharmacy is a dying breed, uh, yeah. and that's really where we come in and say. A third of all pharmacies, 33% or 22,000 stores across the country are independent pharmacies. Uh, you just don't see them going to and from work because you see Sivas and Walgreens at every corner. Mm -hmm. um, but they're there in your community, quietly serving patients and members, uh, to providing high quality care and, and great customer service uh, as a way to compete against the big box stores. And so we're coming we, in, in to say, one, our model is cost plus. We've, we've uh, found the, the cost of these medications, and, and now you can actually see when your member gets a Z-Pack or when your member gets uh, a blood pressure or cholesterol medication, that it actually costs $0.81 cents or $2.31 for that drug. It's not $25 or it's not $35 just because that's what the copay is. And then you also get to see exactly how much the pharmacy gets paid because we're, show, you know, we're showcasing that on on the invoices to employers that the margin that pharmacy makes is right there uh, you know, allocated to you to, to see now the true cost of the drug, the margin, and we apply that cost plus model at over, uh, right now we have over 16,000 independent pharmacies in our cost plus network uh, to help advocate for them and really bring them 
uh, to the employers to showcase all the different services that they offer in addition to, um, you know, what the big box stores can. Well, that's really interesting. Uh, I have a direct primary care physician. So, and in Michigan, you're allowed to dispense medications as a, as a uh-huh. physician. So uh-huh. uh, when it comes to generic drugs, for instance, like we got, I'll just give you an example. We had 30 of Zofran. My kid, we have a family of migraineurs, and so they're always needing Zofran. And it was a dollar for 30 of them. You know, so it was yeah. because we pay 10% above wholesale. Yeah. Uh, so that's what you're talking about. You're talking about, you show what the list price is, how much it actually costs from the wholesaler, essentially, right? And then how much do you get charged actually at the pharmacy? And it, it is huh? it is stunning how the, is someone who has an HSA or something to try and find the medications, the the price is just, it's right. it's crazy how different it is. I mean, we just got a medication last yesterday or the day before, and it was 10 times more expensive at, you know, one box store versus another right. uh, for the right. you know same thing, right? It's, it's, it's really remarkable and it's never consistent, right? It's not always the same one. That's it's right. more expensive. That's right. That's right. That's right. And so, and then that's uh, to your, to your point, that's exactly what the next iteration of our model is all about. It's doing uh, what many insiders claim are, is an impossible feat. We're, we're actually unifying the independent pharmacies together to buy from a wholesaler that is now going to uh, allow, uh, you know, essentially everyone in America to know what the true cost of these drugs are and really lower the, the, the high uncontrolled cost of medications uh, and uh, really going to, to that next level to, to make sure that cost base is, is, you know, as accurate as possible. Well, it's pretty exciting. I mean, this is this is the transparent. <clears throat> there are always the ability that you can pass laws that force transparency or you add extra regulations. But I think, you know, certainly when you look, if you want to be honest with yourself and you look at the the amount of dollars that these companies have to spend lobbying in D.C. or the state capitals or wherever you want to try and pass laws, mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to be the ones who are controlling the entire process, regulatory process, and so all the laws will be favorable to them. Maybe you could strong arm one thing through, but as you've right. sort of outlined, there are about ten different ways they can make money uh, that yep. are that are hidden. And so you may plug one hole, but the others just get a little bit bigger, and uh, essentially you're not going to make much progress. It's only you're only going to defeat them through, or you know at least fix the system through competition and you know the actual open an open market. Right. That's right. And that's that's, right. that's what you're doing, right? <laughs> that's that's that, your that's, goal. That's our goal. That's our mission. That's what we're driven to do: is to to support and uh, and advocate for the independent pharmacies to help better take care of their patients um, by providing a model that can that can drive traffic to them with lower cost options for members and savings for employer groups, and uh, and really highlighting now what we've all come to the table for, which is quality of care. Let's start. Let's stop. You know, the conversation around the country is how can I get drugs for cheaper. Uh, and we need to focus on that and we need to address that. Now that we've gotten to the cost, now let's talk about how pharmacy can be used as a tool to lower your medical care costs. Uh, it's not two different you know, buckets that, that operate independently. They're all connected. We're all here to keep patients healthier, improve the quality of care so we can lower uh, this really big bucket, which is uh, you know, total health care costs. I'm, how long is, have you been around and what sort of market share do you have and what is your goal? And I mean, you know, realistically, where do you see yourself in like five or 10 years in, with this company? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we've been, uh, we, uh, with our, 
our original company, we've been around uh, for about two years, uh, actually three years now. And we see ourselves taking uh, control of uh, the North Carolina market in the next year and expanding to the Southeast and, and really taking the model nationwide within the next five, three, three to five years regionally and, and five to 10 years uh, nationwide uh, to really take back control of out of control drug costs uh, and bring an unlevel or unprecedented uh, level of transparency or go beyond transparency to really highlight how much uh, savings you can generate when uh, when we can really know what drugs cost and, and really highlight the value that they can offer for patients. Do you feel at some point you'll have the opportunity to break into the box store pharmacies or is this something that you feel like it only works with independent pharmacies? Our, our goal and, and the integrity of the program rely on our uh, collaboration with independent pharmacies. We really passionately believe that there is an unheard message out there for independent pharmacies. And we have nothing against the big box stores. Everyone uh, is trying to help uh, the members of their community. Um, but we really believe there's a true value proposition and, and really a, differenti a unique uh, differentiator when it comes to the personal care you can get at independent pharmacy. And so we're going to stick to uh, working with them, working for them, and really uh, getting them unified to work with the other group uh, in in the healthcare industry that's uh, that really we, we need to bring together, and that's the independent providers. I and mean, if we can get those two groups to work together, uh, it, it we can do incredible things and really change the market. Yeah, well, and and the and there certainly is plenty of room in the market for someone to have a model that we go after the big box. Right? I mean, there's always you you want to try and focus and do what you do best, and uh, mm -hmm. not have mission creep and start doing ten things at once. Um, right. You know, the, the if I'm one of these large uh, companies, the PBMs and, the, you know, the 80%, and I see someone like you, and if you start having some success, first thing I try and see if any sort of regulatory reasons I can shut you down. <laughs> and then if that doesn't work, then pretty much uh, the op the option is to to just buy you up. And so are are you publicly traded? Is this something that, is this a, a threat? Is that, or are you, are you privately owned and immune to that, at least unless you yeah. chose to great great question we are 100 percent privately owned and operated uh and our partners uh have the the same philosophy and focus uh to advocate and help independent pharmacy as well and so you know we are very cognizant that uh companies that disrupt and uh and innovate in healthcare oftentimes get bought out just to be eliminated and we want to to fight against that uh, as best as we can, uh, so that we can bring to true uh, market change and and uh, innovation that's long lasting for the benefit of all of us. Well, that's a very exciting story, and it's it's always nice having people who use leverage their their expertise and the market to successfully be disruptors in the disruptors in the uh, in the industry and that's i mean that seems like exactly what you guys are doing and and it always again surprises me that take that it i guess it almost you have to be ideologically sort of founded in some level to right. to really take this on because the easy thing would be to try and replicate what's already been done uh, right you know through right. Right. through rebates or whatever um Correct. is there anything else uh 
that you would like to add that we haven't talked about with the pharmacy benefit managers? Uh, so, you know, a, a pharmacy benefit management is just one vehicle to, to really execute on our cost plus model. We have, uh, we, we have some other products uh, that uh, we apply our cost plus modeling to and uh, that can help consumers. For example, we know that 10% of uh, all uh, um, healthcare spend is through some sort of out-of-pocket spend, cash or out-of-pocket spend. And with uh, you know, uh, a, a majority of the market having high deductible health plans, people are paying out-of-pocket for their first dollar of care, including pharmacy. And so uh, we have uh, other products that uh, will you know, help to change and make drugs more affordable. Uh, services uh, that can compete against uh, uh, technology solutions like GoodRx, and additionally, uh, uh, programs that work with direct primary care providers as well. Uh, we know that direct primary care providers in many different states, in fact, 46 states, physicians are allowed to dispense in, and, and uh, we don't want to interfere or, or get in the way of physicians dispensing drugs at affordable prices to their patients, but they don't have access to all the drugs. And we right. wanted to, we've created a solution to wrap around direct primary care services to offer access to all the medications that uh, patients in a per certain practice might need. And we're really excited about that program as well. And, and this is all just founded on our cost plus model and partnering independent doctors with independent pharmacies. Um, is that something that you would um, look for direct primary care physicians to contact you, even if they're not in the North Carolina or the Southeast? Or is that, I mean, I just look at, for instance, my doctor here in Michigan, and, and she, it, if you're looking for generic medications, you can, it's wholesales, but when it comes to brand names especially, you know, she doesn't have anything special, except good RX is a good way to go. All right, absolutely. Uh, we have uh, partners that can distribute to uh, all 50 states. We can also have, we also have access to, uh, partners that can um, with that that um, direct primary care practices can purchase medications from today. Uh, wholesalers typically send uh, direct primary care practices bulk bottles, and they have to uh, and end up distributing that bulk bottle into individual patient sizes, labeling labeling those bottles. We can take care of that process and get them individually labeled uh, medications to their practices at uh, this you know similar cost that they're buying to. For, and then, you know, distribution, if they need access to cost-saving measures outside of GoodRx. And, and in fact, uh, we, we have a couple of programs that uh, we know about that have helped hundreds of patients through the pharmacies that uh, we've partnered these practices with. So, absolutely. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. And then we've been talking about GoodRx a couple of times. Can you explain, uh, someone asked me the other day, how do they make money? I mean, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand where they are, who they are, uh, exactly, you know, wh what it is. I mean, do you have an idea? Uh, as, as a pharmacist, it's my job to know how GoodRx <laughs> operates and what they do. Uh, that's part of our, uh, you know, it's part of our industry. And so uh, to be very clear, GoodRx is a marketing company. Uh, they don't own a single tablet of medication. They don't own pharmacies. They are the, they, they're, they were created to help consumers understand the cash prices for medications, or, or, or mm -hmm. you know, what what is what is a, a a expected price that I can pay for a drug at a pharmacy, uh, and 
uh, and to some extent, when they were created uh, some, uh, you know, six to eight years ago, uh, that was desperately needed. And now people sort of rely and, and talk about them as a resource. However, uh, and, and the way they make money is that uh, when you go to a pharmacy and use a GoodRx card, GoodRx takes money from the pharmacy from that prescription claim that you paid out of your pocket for, because GoodRx said that it's going to cost you $28 for uh, levofloxacin at your pharmacy. You, GoodRx actually takes a portion of that money, a significant portion of that money from the pharmacy to, to as their marketing service that they brought them to your door. Uh, and that's, that's exactly why many, in fact, I don't know of any, any single independent pharmacy that, um, uh, that uh, uh, really appreciates uh, how how their business model works, but they you know they're ready to match prices and help their patients get medications at affordable prices uh, every day. Uh, but that that's that's in a nutshell how GoodRx works, and and they're there to sort of tell you if you were to pay cash for a drug uh, for a medication that you need, here's how much it would cost, and that uh, leads sort of to a second. Uh, second level issue or concern, at least in the healthcare community, is that we find that patients are shopping around multiple pharmacies to save a couple dollars. So I take six drugs. I now need to go to four different pharmacies because it's the cheapest price at those four different pharmacies. It's not always the same pharmacy at the top of the list when you look at where, where can I get a drug price. And then the second piece is it may be cheapest when you looked at it that day, but then next month when you go in for a refill, the price can change, and the price can change dramatically. There's been price swings of, of yeah. um, fifty to a hundred dollars for certain generic medications that are relatively inexpensive, uh, and so and so you have to you know always be cognizant of that. Our our platform advocates for one price at all our independent pharmacies, one cost plus price at all our independent pharmacies, so that you can get. Uh, all your medications from one place for the safety and care of of our patients. Well, I mean, I and I've experienced that too. That's really pretty cool. And so you'd say you have about half the independent pharmacies in the country, or was that three quarters who are? Yeah. So right now we have three quarters of of the independent pharmacies today in our network. How would you look that up? Uh, so we are currently. Uh, in development for for an app that will allow uh, patients to see, you know, which pharmacies that they can get uh, their drugs for, and so uh, that'll be coming out really soon here, and uh, that'll be the best way to look up, uh, you know, where the pharmacies are and how much these drug prices are. That'll be competitive. Well, that's really interesting, and that's very exciting. And these are the things that, with technology, you certainly have the ability to get broader markets and um, have a bigger reach, which you, where you couldn't have done this, you know six to eight years ago. So that's, that's pretty, pretty exciting. Well, I really appreciate the conversation. I, I learned a ton. I, I'm sure my listeners did too. Where can people find more about you? And if they certainly, if they want to, you know, get involved in, if they're a pharmacist listening to this, or if it's a physician who's looking to try and find discounted medications for their, for their patients, or, you know, like you said, rather going to 10 pharmacies now, you just go to one and get the best price in all 10 of those medications. How's a good way to um, find things about you and your company? Uh, so they can visit the website. Our website is makorx, M-A-K-O-R-X.com. That'll redirect to makopharmacy.com. It's the same uh, company, same website. On that uh, website, there is a phone number. Uh, they can reach me directly at 
uh, 919-436-3359, extension 101. Uh, or they can email me directly. Yeah, that's V Patel, V is in Victor, P is in Paul, A, T is in Tom, E, L is in Larry, at makomedical.com. Uh, and I'm happy to, to have a conversation with any provider, direct primary care or otherwise, independent doctor uh, and pharmacy that's interested in uh, joining the revolution with us and uh, really changing healthcare for the better. Well, Mr. Patel, thank you so much for the conversation. I, I really enjoyed it so much. Dr. Larson, thank you. It was an honor to be a guest on your show, and I look forward to coming back and, and sharing more when the opportunity arises. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to The Paradox. If you like what the doc is doing, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher and share the show with your friends. Become a supporting listener to get access to special bonuses at patreon.com forward slash the paradox. Show notes can be found at theparadox.com. <laughs>